Before we really get started with the lesson we're picking up with the book of John, I want to show you, I don't know why it's coming up black on that one, it's white on the website. This is our website, um, like, but I said it's wet, white when you go actually to the website. Um, we've got a new page on our website for, uh, if you go to the sermon section on our website, LaughlinChurch.com, sermons. Under there, you're going to see Tuesday teachings, and you'll be able to access the teachings. Um, so if anyone asks outside of there, I know some people were following it on, on, from Sundays, um, you can access our sermons really quickly from this page. Uh, Anna, if you would, just click on your screen um, on either one of those, the introduction to Old Testament or New Testament. You should be able to lick. Okay, well, that's okay. Anyways, it'll go straight to the, um, the sermons, and my notes are on there as well. Uh, been published on there as well, so you'll be able to access those if you uh, for so desire. Yes? It's LaughlinChurch.com, and then you go to Sermons. And then it should be under Tuesday teachings. Okay. And it'll be there. Um, if you're accessing it from the app. It might be a little different from the app. I have not fixed the app yet. Remind me. Yeah, I have not fixed the app yet. Um, Lene, if you would, send me an email to remind me to fix the app. <laughs> I will get to it sometime in the next two or three weeks. <laughs> um, but no, if you go to the website itself on, on, a, on a browser, it's under the, the sermon section. You go to the three lines and it drops down or across the top, depending on which device you're using it on. And it's um, there. And you'll be able to access all, my, all our notes, all my notes that I've published and stuff like that. Um, I did not put my bibliography in there. I want you to know that my bibliography is not in there. Um, I probably should post a bibliography on there, but I, I just haven't done it. Um, I'd have to get, gather up all my resources, and that would take forever. <laughs> but um, All right. Well, let's go on. We uh, It's just moving that page. Anna, can you click the next button? Thank you. It'll probably work from there on out. Um, we are on the Gospel of John. We're talking about the last of the Gospels today as a whole, and then we're going to talk about the life of Jesus, well, begin the life of Jesus. Going through the life of Jesus is going to take us a few weeks. Um, he did a lot. Um, how many of you guys think John's the best Gospel? We've got one, two. I love John. For the longest time, I thought John was the best, and then I went back to Matthew because that was the one I really enjoyed with the, 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 the law, and then, then I liked Mark because it's all immediately and now, and I like Luke because he's the historian, I really like that aspect of it, so I go back and forth with which one's my favorite, but I do like the book of John, have for a long time. Um, the Gospel of, Joss, uh, of John, uh, it's, I, I labeled it the eternal Christ. It's, um, it's a unique view of Jesus' glory. It's, it's, it stands out. It is different from the synoptic Gospels. When I say synoptics, um, we have uh, three Gospels that are synoptic. They, they, they uh, are really similar. They're they're, they're, you put them in parallels, and I'm going to hand this out later today. Um, when you put them side by side, it's amazing the similarities between the three Gospels. 
However, the fourth one, <laughs> the book of John, uh, at least 90% of it lacks a direct verbal parallel between the other three. Uh, scholars have questioned whether John even knew about the synoptic gospels, whether he knew about Matthew or Mark, um, even though um, he's probably the last of the gospels to be written. Um, there are differences in chronology, in chronology. It stresses different aspects of Jesus' teaching. The emphasis is in the ministry of Jerusalem, and, and uh, it's differently in, in there. It's just it's it's a a really different book than the other ones. Um, author, well, John, of course. <laughs> um, Tradition holds that it's John, son of Zebedee, one of the twelve apostles, also known as what's the uh, John, son of Zebedee, known as the beloved disciple or the one that Jesus loved. Um, this tradition of it being this disciple that wrote this one is actually really well established by the end of the second century. Um, Irenaeus. Um, circa 180 to 200 uh, states that it's written by this, um, and it's based on a report by Polycarp, um, tradition, and stated that Polycarp was trained by um, John himself. Um, the author apparently wishes to remain dis, uh, remain nameless, however, because he just refers to himself as the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loves. Um, some people have said that it might be from the Johannian school. It means his disciples, not John himself, but the ones that John taught. Or his, his branch of it. He started teaching and his people wrote it down. Um, there is an argument against John's authorship, however. Um, and I'm going to give it to it. Um, I'm not going to break from the tradition that John wrote it, but I want to make it, you aware of it. There is. Uh, some people say that the Christology is too developed. The gospel is too theological. It's too mystical. Uh, Jesus' words are a different order from the synoptics, which would seem to go against a first-hand witness. Um, materials reference a church situation outside of Palestine. Um, and thus, um, and, and, um, and, and I think the, the strongest one the, that is used against John is this passage right here. This is Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Um, John, in that passage, seems to be illiterate and therefore can't, uh, um, uneducated, untrained. Now, does that mean he's illiterate, though? That's the big question, and we can't answer that question. We just know that he's untrained in a traditional sense. We can't know if he's illiterate or not. Anyways. But I'm going to stick with John being the author. Um, but there is a, a, a large crowd, and more so than any of the other Gospels, as to arguing whether this John actually wrote the Gospel or not. Um, let's talk date. Um, dating. It was probably written in the 90s, um, probably in the land of Eph in, in Ephesus, um, which would put it as a, one of the last books written in the, the one of the last of the of the books of the New Testament to be written, which would also explain why it is so different, as it's facing different issues. There's different uh, people that they're they're talking to. And it's been more, the, the stories have been more developed by then. It portrays uh, Jesus um, 
in a very different way that is um, quite unique, um, you know, shaping the, the to, to convey him in a way that fits his message. Remember, there, John is not as concerned with, like, is it chronological? Uh, is it, am I getting the exact facts, you know, like what we'd call the facts right? That's not the point of John's message at all. He's going off of what he remembers and off of what the story, he, he, the eyewitnesses that are there. Many years later, you know, if it's in the ni- if it's '90s, that's 60 years later. Uh, that's a long time, you know. So it's um, it's uh, and you know, and, and it may even be his school that wrote is writing it down, so it'd be secondhand. And and but their purpose of it is not like Luke to convey a, a historical account. We have to keep this in mind. That was not his purpose. Um, all right, outline. Um, prologue. The prologue is probably the most famous part of the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh. Um, the book of signs, which contains the testimony of John the Baptist. Uh, Jesus and the institution of Jerusalem, Jesus and the festival of Judaism, foreshadowing his death and resurrection, the book of glory, which has the Passover meals, farewell discount, the passion, the resurrection conclusions, Um, epilogue, which will include the miracle of 153 fish and Jesus and Peter's renewal, um, Yeah, let's go to John 1. It's probably the most famous part of John. Let's go ahead and look at John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, um, in beginning, uh, playing off, you're supposed to automatically think of in beginning just like Genesis chapter 1. You're supposed to think Genesis chapter 1. In beginning, it's, it's making a direct. Remember those hyperlinks? I, was t- I, was, I called them hyperlinks. I mean, that's like, a, if you, I mean, that's a very clear hyperlink in, bar, in bargaining. The, the, um, the the is actually even missing just like it is in the Hebrew. It's not in the beginning. We put the in there because it makes sense in English. It's in beginning. And both Hebrew and in the Greek. Uh, in beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. This one, this, the one was in the beginning with God. All things came to, to be through him and apart from him. Nothing came to be, came into being that was, that come into. So he's saying that when God said, when God said, let there be light, there was light. It was, Jesus was the word that God, when he said, let there be light. And it was, when God said, it was Jesus. This divine emphasis on on on, on Jesus. This is um, the book that has the most clearly, not the only one. The other three gospels also declare Jesus as divine, but it's not as clear to our Western eyes often as this one. This one is very clearly Jesus is God. In him was life and all, and the life was the light of humanity and light shines in the darkness and darkness did not overcome it. A man came sent from God, those whose name was John. This one was a witness in order that he could testify about the light so that all could be through him. Now he's talking about John the Baptist here, not John himself. I know some people get that confused. That one was not the light, but it came in order that he could testify about the light. The true light who gives light into every person was coming into the world. He was the world, 
and the world came into being through him, and the world did not recognize him, and he came to his own things, and his own people did not receive him. But as many of received him to those who believed in his name, and he gave authority to the to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a husband, but of God. And the word became flesh and took up residence among us, and we saw his glory, glory of the one and the only from the Father of full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This one was he about whom I said, and the one who comes after me is de- uh, ahead of me, because he existed before me. So right here we're seeing an emphasis. We're seeing the, the summation of what John is going to talk about here. Here's the one who is coming in glory. That's the emphasis of the book. God became flesh, the Word, and the rest of the book is about that. Um, he sees in this one, he says, you know, the divine quantity, essence of Jesus. Um, Jesus embodies life, light, truth, glory, and grace because he's the Word of God. Um, he is in this the Yahweh, the um, the Adonai, the the I Am, the Creator God, um, and you know Jesus, the unique divine messenger, is here, teacher from God, of God, um, and through Him the Holy Spirit speaks. Jesus is the answer to humanity's deepest needs. John points to Jesus as Messiah, the King of Israel, the Lamb of God, the Son of Man, the prophet, and the one whom the Old Testament points to as the fulfillment of all promises and all fulfillment of larger world's dreams, the Savior of the world. Ain't that amazing what John does? This is why, um, you know, book, the, the Gospels start with Matthew because they were speaking to a Jewish audience, and that was the one a lot of times when I'm telling people, read, what, what gospel should I read first? I tell them John. Because it's the one that declares Jesus most clearly to our Western eyes. Because we're not Jewish. Well, at least most of us are not Jewish. Um, and so for our Western eyes, it declares the most clearly who Jesus is. Um, I had a a college professor who told me that John was shallow enough that everyone can can wade right through it and deep enough that you'll drown. (laughs) Um, Because it's it's one of those those books that, you know, a baby Christian can read and understand the message of John. And then you can dig into it and drown yourself all you want. (laughs) Because it's so deep. Um, and it's just an amazing work. Um, all right, what do we got here? Um, that's principles of the face. Before we go there, I thought I had another one. Guess I didn't. All right. Um, in John's gospel, there is the signs of the gospel, of the good news. We have... The turning of the water into wine, healing of the official son, the crippled uh, healing of the crippled man, the feeding of the five thousand, walking on water, restoring sight to a blind man, raising Lazarus from the dead. All of these events that are that are found in the book of John all point to the divineness of Jesus as the spiritual gospel. So it's it's very important that that Jesus is divine in here. Um, Principles of faith in the book of John. In other words, uh, what should we believe? Um, believe God. Believe that, this, that God sent Jesus. Believe the Old Testament. Believe Jesus as the one sent from God. Believe Jesus' name. Believe Jesus himself. Believe Jesus as a son of man. Believe Jesus' miracle. Believe the 
Jesus is the Messiah. Believe what he, Jesus said. Believe that Jesus is the Father and the Father is Jesus. These are all very important in the book of John. These are the key tenets of what we should believe according to the book of John. Thus the reason we like the book of John. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pass out a piece of paper. And this one I took from online. I did not write it myself because I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I was going to bring my synoptic gospel, but I forgot it at the house. Um, a synoptic gospel. Thank you, Star. Um, I have a, a book that's a synoptic gospel. It has this all laid out um, in book form. But I found this one online, um, and it's um, the chronology of the four gospels by Rick Achman. I get, forgive me, Rick, if I get your name wrong. Um, but um, what this does, and we'll go through some of this as we go through the life of Jesus, is from what you could see on this is, um, one, the differences between um, how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all begin, um, where things line up, like the baptism of Jesus, how it's in Matthew 3. Mark 1 and Luke 3 and kind of reference to in John 1. Uh, we will not go through every aspect of this, this document. You can do that on your own. Um, but as we go through life of Jesus, I think it's important that we see how the scripture, these gospels line up and where they don't. Where they don't line up. Um, For example, um, where's it at on here? The cleansing of the temple. Anyways, the cleansing of the temple, did he do it twice? Or was it just once? The book of John puts it really early. But the other three put it really late. So some people say, well, did he do it twice? Or is it just John put it where he wanted it <laughs> because he didn't care about the actual timeline? Um, and so as, we go, as you go through this, you'll be able to see how things line up, um, when and where's, um, what we know anyways, and uh, some of this. Um, so, um, and if you're joining us online, you can find this online. Go find a synoptic gospel. And if you're using the Logos Bible software that, that we recommend, they have a synoptic gospel on there as well. Um, like I said, if you join the church, our church's faith life, as a member, you get access to quite a few resources on the Logos Bible software that the church provides. So that's, um, and I'm not sure this is one of them, but it might be. Um, I've paid for so much other stuff, I don't know exactly what they provide anymore. <laughs> um All right, life of Jesus. Life of Jesus. Um, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus' life actually begins before he was born. 
because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he was the same yesterday. John says in beginning was God and the Word was with God and what is God. He's been there for a So the life of Jesus begins a lot earlier than in he, when he was born. Now, when we talk about Jesus, though, in the Jesus form, you know, we're not going to reference him before his birth. We're just going to reference, like, was Melchizedek Jesus? I don't think so. Um, but um, because he hadn't born yet, he was in, still in the God area. Now, was the burning bush Jesus? That very well could be, because he claims to be the I am, which when, the, when he says, in the, the I, when uh, the burning bush says, well, should I call you? It's, well, I am. So that very well could be, but he's not in a physical form yet there. So there's a big difference between like saying like Melchizedek is Jesus and the burning bush is Jesus, because there's a big difference there. I don't know. I have no idea. We, and we can't know. He said, I was there when Lucifer was cast out of heaven. Quoting from Isaiah. Uh, we can't know at what level Jesus was involved there. Maybe he was the word that when God said, you're cast out, he was the word. I, I don't know. Um, what I actually looked at when Lucifer was crashed out, all of that is something that is really hazy. What that actually looked like, the Bible speaks very little about that. Um, in fact, when Isaiah quotes it, it doesn't even seem like he's talking about Lucifer, uh, the, that, like the Satan character. It seems like he's talking about a, uh, a king, an uh, earthly king. And then Jesus says, well, I was there when Lucifer, and he's referring to a heavenly being getting cast out. And so it's, you know, it's, it's something we, you know, all of that is very, um, if we want to bring in second temple period writings like the book of Enoch, we might get a, sec, a, a, a clearer image of what Jesus was thinking of when he says that, um, or what might have happened. But, you know, there's no way for us to know exactly what transpired there yeah the book of Enoch is kind of weird isn't it <laughs> um, if you're solid in your scriptures don't read Enoch if you're not solid in your scriptures because then you'll get like confused but it's an interesting read um, it's very Persian in, in, um, in beliefs. Uh, it's an, uh, definitely an interesting read. So if you're interested in that, um, I've read it a couple times. Enoch 1. Enoch 2 is really weird. Um, that one completely doesn't fit in with Enoch 1. But um, anyways. Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephraim, Two are small among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go out from me and be the ruler in Israel, and his origins are from old, from ancient of days. Micah prophesied the birth of Jesus before Jesus ever came around. Jesus himself said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, here he goes, I am. That's the Yahweh. Uh, we often read it as Adonai. In your Bibles, it's probably Lord, all caps. Um, I am. And, of course, John, we already talked about John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was before the world was created, and through him all was created everlasting because he is divine. We can't separate God as being, um, I, I've seen this happen a lot. You either put, there, there's three camps. You have to, and, and the, 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 
one camp is easy to say Jesus is fully man and he became some kind of divine creature uh, or took on a divine passion. A lot of a lot of Christians do that. A lot of Christians do it. He was man, and then God came on his baptism and gave him. But the problem with that is you deny a great section of scriptures. Um, a lot of people believe that Jesus was just a man, and then he had some kind of divine message. That was very common in the second century. Um, that's why I like the... Oh, who remembers that Dan Brown book? Um, da Vinci Code, thank you. Uh, when they talked about how Jesus was just a man, had a wife, and all that, it had such ground because a lot of people do take that that path. That's very common. Um, but you have to deny so much of the scriptures when you do that. Of course, then you can go the other way. Jesus is divine and not human at all, and there are many Christians that do that. But then you deny the scriptures as well. There's a middle ground that is harder and much harder to understand is that Jesus is fully divine and fully human at the same time in a way that we can't understand. Well, Dan Brown, I've read all his books. They're fun reads. And he writes for the purpose of being controversial to sell books. I've read everything he's ever written. They're fun mystery novels. They all follow the same pattern. You got your main character. There's something that's going to change the world and the way we look at it. They have to solve the puzzle and reveal the thing that may that will change the world. Uh, all his books are like that. Um, his latest one, I think, was Origin. I don't think he's written since anything since Origin. Anyways, it's all the same. <laughs> I've read them all. Um, that's right. It's a matter you have to take their face because it's something we can't really understand. How can you be fully human and fully God? Because that's, that's, I mean, in percentages, that's 200%. That doesn't exist. It's not a mathematical equation that, that works. <laughs> um. And so we have to take that with something that we, being God, it's something that we can't be. His birth was special. Yeah. Um, people that usually take it that it was not fully God usually translate the word virgin as young woman instead of virgin. Because in the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic, it was synonymous. You were a young, un, young unmarried woman, you were a virgin. So there was no words that meant separate. Um, so, um, but yeah, his birth is still, um, but before he gets his birth, it's the preparation for his birth. Um, in the old Testament, um, the history it's, uh, you know, it's all about Christ as we, and I, I say that I don't like to jump too quickly as we read the old Testament to Jesus, but it all points to Jesus. Um, it's preparation for Jesus. Since the fall of man, it has been about pointing to Jesus. Uh, Jesus will succeed where Adam failed. Isaac, Abraham, points to Jesus. Even the story of Abraham's almost sacrifice of Isaac, that, Abraham, that points to Jesus and what God will actually do. Which is really hard on our our uh, our modern like that's morally wrong in our mo you know there's a there's a child sacrifice going on there and uh, that's that's really hard especially on our modern Western eyes. Um, of course, you look back on antiquity, child sacrifice is not something that's it's something that's rare, but it's not something that's unheard of. Um, I was just reading. In the Biblical Archaeological Review, um, which is a great magazine, um, where they found some carvings that at, at some point they stopped sacrificing the children and they started sacrificing these carvings to represent their children. Um, but that also means that at some point before that, they were sacrificing their children. So, 
Uh, the serpent on the pool, is it? Oh, the 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 hasatan, uh, the, no, the 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 hashtan, uh, the serpent on top of that pole. Um, yeah, the nahashtan does uh, is is another pointing to, uh, Christ, of, of Christ of Christ pointing. Um, the snake represent, representing healing, and that actually was destroyed when they started worshiping the nahashtan. Um, nahashtan. Um, means like bronze and it's interesting in the Hebrew the word for snake and bronze are the same word um, and there's arguments as to why as far as I've read I'm just now starting to study the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic so I don't know but it's either because of the color because they're both the bronze colors at the time or because of the fiery like venom that was produced and I don't know but anyways um, Isaiah 9 6 for a child has been born to us a son will be given to us and the dominion will be on his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace Isaiah 11, 1, and a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its root will bear fruit. Uh, I think we already did Micah 5, 2, didn't we? Yeah, okay. Um, that's just a name to few. All of them pointing to um, the coming of Messiah, whom Jesus will be. Um, in the New Testament, John uh, the baptizer points to Jesus. In Luke 1.5, uh, it happened in that day that King Herod, that the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a certain priest, Zechariah, by the name of the division of Abijah. Um, there's a whole story of the Abijah stuff, but I don't want to get into that right now. Um, he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they bore righteous. They were both righteous in the sight of God, living blamelessly in all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. And they did not have a child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. And it happened while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the customs of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter in the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And his whole crowd... You know, that basically means he was the janitor. <laughs> I mean, so it's one of the things they would do is they would go in, they'd burn the incense, keep the, the smell down as they were making all those sacrifices, they'd clean up. That was part of being a priest at the time was to, uh, to, to, to clean the stuff. Uh, it doesn't say he was actually uh, making the sacrifices. He was the one burning the incense. So he was uh, keeping the smell away. <laughs> Um, and the whole crowd of the people were paying outside at the hour of all incense offering and the angel of the Lord. Uh, the incense offering is interesting. Um, this is a side point. Um, because they used to believe that the smell would carry the sacrifice up to the heavens. And there's a wonderful song. I remember it. Um, Petra does it. Uh, it's called, uh, what's it called? Um, anyways, it says, let our voices rise like incense. And this whole song is about letting our voices rise like the incense to make, to please your ears. And it's, it's a very beautiful song. Um, it was on one of their worship albums. If you like Petra, um, back in the day. Um, not the rock figure, the band, rock band. Um. And the Lord, angel of the Lord appeared to him standing in the right side of the altar incense. And Zechariah was terrified when he saw the angels and fair, fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. 
and you will experience joy, exaltation, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and must never drink wine or beer, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he is still in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the spirit of power of Elijah. Who is Elijah? Prophet, the greatest non-written prophet. And some consider him the greatest of the prophet only under Moses. So um, he's a very important, and he was also taken up before his death. And so he's saying, now you're going to come in the spirit, uh, with the power, spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the right, righteous to prepare the, the, the Lord a people made ready. And Zechariah said to the angels, By what will I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Man, have we heard that already? We've heard this. This, this, this is a common trope we've heard. We've heard this story. They're old in age. They can't have children. Wow. The pattern follows. You have a, people that are old in age. They're going to, the angel tells them they're going to get pregnant. Something special happening here. And the answer said to him, I am Gabriel. Interesting enough, this is the angel that is named in the scriptures. We have lots of names that we call the, the angels. Uh, Michael is uh, Raphael. Um, those are taken from, uh, Raphael comes from the book of Tobit, I do believe it is, which is in the Apocrypha. Um, if you're online checking me up, I don't promise that, but I think it's Tobit. Um, but here we have a name, Gabriel. Um, Um, not an archangel, though a lot of people will put him as an archangel, but it doesn't say he's an archangel. He's just an angel. And if you remember way back when we talked about what an angel was, what was an angel? Messenger. The word angel means messenger. Now, we've kind of turned it into like any spiritual being. But in the context that we're talking, angel means messenger. Um, some of the heavenly beings were not considered angels because they were like the cherubim. They weren't considered angels till we made that classification that all angels are spiritual beings and therefore it's an angel. Uh, the cherubim was this, you know, beast that, you know, this, this uh, with the flaming sword and the, not the cute little baby with the, the bow. <laughs> um Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Elu might be a better term for it. Elohim would be uh, gods, or a lot of people argue whether Elohim actually means um, spiritual bling. Elohu might actually be the more proper term because it'd be like things from the realm of the god. Um, and that comes from the Aramaic and the Hebrew where you. Um, El, meaning the chief spiritual god, and when you put the U on it, it kind of, in the Aramaic, means that it's like the realm of. So like, Melechu would be the kingdom, and Melech would be the king. So Elihu may be, the, you know, from those creatures from the realm of the spirits, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they did, and they were very powerful, but they were also just messengers. Um, they weren't, and uh, this angel, I, this this angel army idea actually comes from Latin. When when they translate into Latin, some of the Roman um, ideology comes into the the play, and then you get the ideas of like the army war, the angel wars, and we're on like the third one, I think it is, or something like that. 
because it was the first one when Lucifer was crashed, and then we had the second one, and I think we're on the third. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's, you get some kind of weird stuff going on there if you follow um, some of these mystic uh, paths too far. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to announce the good news. He's a messenger. I come to speak, but he's also a special one because he stands in the presence of God. I will speak to you and announce you the good news. Behold, you will be silent and not able to speak. That doesn't sound like very good news, does it? Behold, you will be silent, not able to speak until the days are taking place because you will not believe my words, which fulfill this. So because he doesn't believe, he can't speak. Struck dumb. And the people were waiting for Zechariah to begin, began to wonder when he, when he was delayed in the temple. And when he came out, he was not able to speak to them and realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And they kept making signs to them and remained unable to speak. So John will be born cousin and they do meet up if, um, the angel appears to Mary and then Mary will visit uh, Elizabeth and that is actually found in the book of Luke chapter 1 you can see so on your thing that's the only place we have that record um, Mary will visit Elizabeth remember the rest of them don't really reference Jesus childhood at all or birth, you know it's not that important but uh, for them, but Luke, it's very important. It goes back. This is God of everybody. Um, this is John the Baptist, who will become John the Baptizer. Um, I had a, a college professor. He was very clear. He always wanted to say John the Baptizer, because we we grew uh, we were out in Kentucky where there's a big argument. Uh, between the Methodist and the Baptist. And he's like, no, the Baptists don't come from John the Baptist. <laughs> That's a totally different history. Uh, this is the baptizer. <laughs> because he baptizes people. <laughs> um, but that was one of the things. He it was always very clear. Uh, this is baptizer. <laughs> uh um, John uh, will grow up in Judea um, very well because it says he goes out into the desert. He very well might have been part of the Qumran com uh, community, the Essenes. Uh, if you remember, the Qumrans were the people that lived outside of Jerusalem. They went out in the desert. They had their own. They were waiting for the Messiah to return. They, they were the ones that, are, that we have the Qumran uh, scrolls because they saved a lot of the writings. And um, um, so he very well may have been an Essene, which is a, you know, we talked about that already, a group of, the, uh, of Judaism. Anyways, he'll be sent to proclaim Jesus. Um, Mary was probably about three months pregnant when John was born. So they're Irish twins. Um, but um, they were cousins, yeah. Um, Angel will also visit Mary. Um, in that passage, the angel begins with... Um, do not fear. Um, he says that a lot of times when you'd normally be afraid. <laughs> um, do not fear. Your son will be the son of the Most High and whose kingdom will never end. Though she's a virgin. And the angel will appear to Joseph a well to tell him not to divorce Mary. Because that would be the the, the thing that they would normally do because if you're having a child you're obviously not been truthful you're not been um, you know you would be unfaithful 
Um, Joseph is probably quite a bit older than Mary at this point. Um, that was actually really common at this time period. Um, that being because by the time that the male was able to take care of a family, he would be older and would marry a younger woman in hopes that she would survive long enough to provide heirs. Um, and so there was often a, a disconnect between the, the ages. Um, today, in our eyes, it seems really wrong, and it is really wrong in our today's society um, to have such a disconnect. Um, you know, Mary would have probably been a teenager, um, and we would definitely consider that statutory rape, and in, I agree with it. But the world has changed since then. <laughs> Um, we have good hospitals. You can have children, all, you know, well, quick. <laughs> um, yes. She did have it of her age, but the likelihood of her actually having that child is really rare um, just because women died in childbirth quite often. Um, that's one of, the, one of the reasons why men often had multiple wives is because they, were, they expected the women to die. They died in childbirth. It was actually really common. Um, and one of the reasons when you look at, like, averages, I have trouble with this because you look at statistics like the average uh, life expectancy, it always looks like it's really low. And then you see these people living a long time. It's because they don't factor out the child deaths. You know, having, you know, it was not uncommon to die. Even up until the age of eight, it was actually really common to have deaths. It's because you, you're, you know, the younger you are, the less likely you are to survive some of these things. And, uh, you know, diseases and crocodile attacks and whatever else, you know. Hippopotamuses. <laughs> uh, I say that. Hippopotamuses are mean. Um, Uh, in the in the in the scripture record, yes, um, yeah, probably the oldest of the ladies, but we don't know. <laughs> to our knowledge, we'll say that to our knowledge. Um, yeah, Jesus' birth. Um, we know that Jesus was born December twenty fifth, um, the year zero, right? Um, in a manger. Since there was no, uh, since he was God, and there was no, he didn't cry, and the shepherds came, and the three wise men were all there, and the animals sang songs, and there was a drummer boy for some reason, because that's what every baby needs is a drummer boy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the animals sang. Um, yeah, um, yeah. In, in truth. Uh, it says that it was during the reign of King Herod the Great, um, um, which would be, um, he reigned from 37 to 4 B.C., so it's definitely before year zero, uh, before the year four. Uh, zero was actually a date set for the period, um, and the guy who did that, who created the Gregorian calendar, he actually miscalculated the reign of, of Herod. Um, it was probably, in all probability, it's probably the year 6 B.C., but it was somewhere between 7 and 4 B.C. is when he was born. Um, December. Um, obviously, it was December because that's when we celebrate it. Um, no, actually, more likely, it was um, late September or early October, but it could be as early as August. Um, and there's some arguments about this, um, about when he was born. Uh, and you have to look at, like, the rainy season, and the, the animals would not be in there because they were outside, so it had to be in a time when it wasn't too cold and, uh, and before it was too rainy. And, and, so, and they were probably living in the, the common area in a house in the common area of that house because there were no private room there were no room in the private room the word in is actually a mis misnomer it would have been in the there's no room in the 
the bedrooms. Uh, they didn't have a bedroom. They would, of course, he's staying with his family. That's, they went back there to be with the family for taxation. So he's staying with his family. Um, they didn't have holiday inns back there. There were the idea of inns, um, but it didn't seem like that was a thing in Bethlehem. And it, it seems like he was staying at his family house, at some family's house, and there was in the common area, like, hey, we're sleeping on the couch. Uh, and, of course, they're having baby, and they're like, and it's not like they were sleeping with animals, but she starts having a baby, and they're like, you can't have a baby right here. This is a very private thing. You need to be in a private space, and there's no bedrooms. So let's take you downstairs where the animals sleep, and let's put them in the manger and keep it away from the kids who are running around, you know, being kids, because kids were kids back then, too. Um, <laughs> um, and so they take him downstairs, and, they, and there. Um, December 25th actually um, comes from the idea that um, the birthday of Jesus was actually forgotten by the early Christian movement. They don't know when. They didn't, like, no one wrote it down. Um, so different groups started celebrating it at different times. You know, January 6th, April 12th, May 1st. And they were all celebrating it. Um, at different times. Now, the December 25th dates to a non-Christian practice um, in which um, December 25th is the first day when you can noticeably start seeing that the daytimes are becoming longer. The 21st is the shortest day, and then after that it starts getting longer. But the 25th is that first day where you actually start noticing it. And so in Many non-Christian groups, we'd call them pagan groups. I don't really like that term, but let's go for it. Pagan uh, religions, um, there was a time in which they celebrated the birth of a deity, uh, sometimes called the Son of Man or the Light of the World or the uh, Son of Righteousness, the Savior, uh, because the sun was being reborn. The sun in the sky, S-U-N. Um, and we do, actually I was about to cover some of that, um, the Greco-Roman world, um, I'm just wondering if I have enough time to get through this. All right, we, 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 maybe, we'll go ahead. All right, here we look at Attis. Um, this is a, the story of Attis um, is Greek. Uh, this is the god of vegetation. Um, the worship of him began in Phygira. Uh, his, he is, rep- um, his, his is a, the story of recycling, uh, consuming himself, dying and resurrecting in this agricultural society. And so his birth is the 25th when he is reborn. Um, um, that one we're not to yet. Um, the the um, the demon Adagist is linked to the both birth and um, um, death of Adagist. Um, he has both, or he, she, has both fe- uh, female and male reproductive uh, organs. Um, tricked into swallowing a sleeping po- potion, the god tied his male genitor to his foot and he castrated himself. When he woke and stood, and uh, blood fell the earth, fertilizing the ground, an almond tree grew where it fell, and the daughter of the river god, uh, Sangurus, Nanya, picked the almonds from the tree and carried it to her bosom at the almonds disappeared and Ananya became pregnant with Attis once again. This is the story. Um, I know it seems weird to us, but this is, they often give birth to themselves. Um, it's actually kind of a clean one compared to some of the other stories. Uh, <laughs> um, then Nanya abandons her baby um, a he-goat finds him and cares for him 
and eventually a couple became his foster parents. Addis grows into a handsome man with a long hair and godlike features. He got engaged to the daughter of King Midas of Pessinos. However, um, the um, mother goddess falls in love with him at the sight. Uh, during Addis's wedding, as uh, a the vocalist performs the wedding song, a, jeal- a jealous uh, um, being attacks and drives the bridegroom and father of the bride mad. Addis and his father-in-law castrate themselves in front of the wedding guests, and the bride cuts off her own breast. Then Addis dies as a revolt of the self-inflicted wounds, the heartbroken um, um, Zeus character. Uh, preserves Addis so that the body would never decay or decompose. And um, although mortal, Addis um, venerated and worshipped as part of the pantheon of Figura, the Greek added him to their pantheon, elevating him to the agricultural god. And a statue stands in the shrine of Attis on the campus of uh, Magna Mitre in uh, Ossistia Athica in Italy. Um, there's other statues of him around, including in the Vatican Museum. Um, uh, the Adidas cult was popular around 79 AD, around the time Mount uh, Vesuvius erupted. Um, Absolutely. This is, anyone recognize this guy? Greek god. He's the wine dude. <laughs> His name's Dionysus. Um, I'm just going to list some things. I'm not going to go through the full story of Dionysus, though it's an interesting one. Um, he had been the center of worship in Jerusalem in the first century B.C., uh, celebrated his birth on December 25th. Uh, actually, some ancient coins have found in Gaza with Dionysus on one side and Yahweh on the other. Um, his flesh and blood were symbolically eaten from bread and wine. He's the son of Zeus, the father of God. I'm going to point out some similarities. Um, Ah, here's, anyone recognize this one? Egyptian. He's the savior God, the judge between life and death. This is Osiris. He celebrated his birth on December 25th. This one is Mithra. Now, Mithra actually is after Jesus, but it was... Slightly before Jesus as well. But a lot of his mythology develops in Rome after Jesus' death. But uh, the original story of Mithra was Persian. And um, he has an interesting story as well because um, so the, the only thing that's similar in his is he was birthed by, his birth was witnessed by shepherds and magi from the West as well. Um, so when, the whole point of this is when they came, when the fourth century comes around, that's 400 years after Jesus' death comes around, they've been celebrating on whatever day best suits the church in that area. They come together and they try to say what day to celebrate on, and there's already a party going on this day. <laughs> um, several different ones in different religions, uh, the um, Saturnalia is another one. I didn't put Saturnalia on there. Um, it's a, a holiday for the fest of the harvest, you know, to celebrate the new birth of the, you know, after the winter. Um, and so a lot of parties going on. So they choose that day kind of to Christianize an already pagan holiday. One, to make it easier for people to come into the Christian faith. And also because why not? Everyone else is. <laughs> right or wrong. And of course, we do the same thing today. I mean, uh, 
Easter we, Sunday, you know, we have our Easter egg hunt, you know, where that comes from, you know, a, a, a bunny that, uh, a, actually a bird that was fell on the street, it's an Iesro, the goddess of fertility, turns it into a bunny so it'll survive, therefore it lays eggs. Um, um, you know, yeah, and, and of course we, we have our Harley Harvest Festival, that's Halloween. Uh, we've Christianized uh, something that everyone's doing is it provides for a safe place for the people to come and have fun. And we also get to uh, witness and tell stuff. We do this kind of stuff all the time. And it's not necessarily wrong. We're just aware of what it is, you know. But, uh, yeah, so December 25th is because of uh, all these different pagan holidays. Um, we are out of time pastime actually so i guess we'll talk about the birth of jesus after after all right um let's go ahead and close in prayer yafael and i lord god we praise you day lord we pray that you just uh bless us and keep us and pray that we just uh put our focus on you and and put above all else you not that other things are necessarily bad, but that you are more holy and more great than anything else in our lives. Lord, we, we pray that um, we're able to dive deep this week as we study your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.